Hi, boys and girls. Like you, Santa is listening to the Merry Little Podcast of MyMerryChristmas.com. Oh, 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 Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Merry Christmas and welcome to the Merry Little Podcast of MyMerryChristmas.com. My name is Jeff Westover, host of the Merry Forums and leader of the book club at My Merry Christmas. We are the Internet's largest Christmas website and the longest ongoing celebration of Christmas online, now in year number 31. From deep in the archives, we fished out this gem, and I quote, My earliest recollection of Christmas is a rather hazy one. I dimly remember that my mother told me a story about Santa Claus and my ideas of this mysterious personage, of stockings to be hung up and a possible lot of good things as a result, were, well, chaotic to say the least. I very distinctly remember, however, the impressions of Christmas morning when I found my stocking running over with the gifts supposed to have been deposited there by good St. Nick. There was something substantial in that manifestation of his personality and love for the children, and I thoroughly appreciated his kindness. I remember I announced my intention of hanging up my stocking every night thereafter, and I believe I did so for a time. But Santa Claus failed to fill it, as I hoped he might, until another Christmas came. Among the recollections of that first remembered Christmas is also one of my grandfather, who sang in simple broken English, but full of heart and conviction. As the good grandfather finished with the words, The babe of Bethlehem is God the mighty. I was seized with a burning desire to carry these glad tidings to the furthermost parts of the earth. Unquote. What makes this Christmas memory a gem is that it was published in the New York Herald, on December 10, 1893, and that memory hails from all the way back to the 1850s. It was not uncommon in the latter 19th century for newspapers to ask for and then share the Christmas memories of their readers. What these annual Christmas features show us is that Christmas past is certainly nearly as important as Christmas present. In fact, for many, many people, Christmas is not just Christmas, without going backwards in time. In this episode, we do that with the friend we have in Brian Earle, host of the Christmas Past podcast and author of a new book also titled Christmas Past. In this conversation with Brian, we explore his new book and his own experiences with Christmas Past. What what drew you to Christmas? I mean, has it always just been a thing for you? It's always been a thing. And I say this right at the beginning of the book. I said it would be pointless to tell you that as a child, I loved Christmas because what child didn't. But I kind of do feel that I got a special dose of Christmas spirit because my wife, with her family, it wasn't a big deal. They put up a, a very small tabletop Christmas tree yeah. on Christmas Eve. Christmas was it was a special time, but nowhere near to the extent that I remember them growing up. I had a mom who was a very handcrafty kind of person, made a lot of things at her sewing table, and our entire home would be just bedecked with things that she made, like stockings and things like that. She would make a gingerbread house from scratch. We, I'm old enough that when I was growing up, we had a hi-fi and all these vinyl records that were just constantly playing Christmas music. I mean, Christmas was obviously a very special time, and as a child, it meant I would get a lot of gifts, but it was this immersive experience. 
Yeah. In, in almost every facet of my life at school and church at yes. home uh, and with my peer group, it was just something that you lived for about six weeks out of the year. And I've just carried that with me throughout my entire life. Well, you know, talk to me a little bit about um, how you see yourself in the Christmas space. I mean, would you call yourself a historian of Christmas? Absolutely not. And I really take pains to tell people I'm not a journalist. I'm not an historian. I'm not an academic of any kind. I'm a storyteller. I Christmas past could have easily been me reading you the Wikipedia page about Christmas traditions. And you would learn a lot if that's what it was. But you wouldn't be entertained. You wouldn't be engaged. Yeah. I had a very clear vision of what I wanted Christmas past the podcast to be, which was... And, and it all came out of my searching for something that turned out not to have existed back in 2015. I was wondering if NPR had a Christmas podcast or if Paul Harvey ever had any, you know, Christmassy uh, episodes of the rest of the story. That's the kind of stuff I really like to listen to. And when I couldn't find it, and you know, you were one of the few Christmas podcasts around in 2015, there weren't many others like right. it. Right. And I said to myself, well, I can't be the only person who's interested in something like this. There's got to be more people who would love to have something like this. And apparently there are no other volunteers. So maybe I'll try my hand at this. And again, yeah. I had no business doing this. I, I didn't even own a microphone. I'd never, you know, I'm, I'm a software designer. What would you say is probably the most passionate topic within the book that you created here? I mean, what's what was the one thing you really wanted to get out uh, probably Santa Claus. And part of that is because it's was the very first episode I did of Christmas past. And there was so much information that I actually had to turn it into a three part series. Right. And it's where I really learned the most. I mean, the thing is, this is what I love about Christmas at this stage in my life. You know, as you go through life, your relationship with Christmas changes. You know, when, when you're a kid, yes. it's all about getting gifts and when you're older maybe it's about looking back at that time with nostalgia it still is to me for some point uh, to some extent but nowadays for me christmas is just fascinating it's endlessly yeah. fascinating and the good news for anybody is that even if you look just a little bit under the surface you're going to find out all kinds of things you never knew before right. and that was the thing when i did that episode about santa claus is the thing that really made me feel like number one okay i'm on to something with this podcast and b i know that i'll never get bored with it um yeah. Because I thought I knew, I thought I, you know, I'd, I'd read on the internet that Coca-Cola invented Santa Claus and okay. I thought that gave me a leg up. Yeah. I mean, hey, got, hey, did, did you happen to know this fact? And then the, the more you dig into it, you, the more you realize like this topic could go on forever. Yeah. I mean, there's like almost 2000 years worth of this story. And the more that you look at Christmas and how it has changed over time and continues to change and how we're driving that change where every Christmas we write the next chapter in this never ending story that we're influencing where Santa's going from here. And it's, it's often fun to speculate what that might look like. Is there a time in Christmas that you wish you could go back and see yourself? I'm often tempted to say that I would like to have seen Christmas during the Victorian period. Mm hmm. Uh, and part of that is because maybe it's my exposure here in the Bay Area. We have this wonderful Great Dickens Christmas Fair, which is literally like the Renaissance Festival, but for Christmas. And right. I say literally it's because it's the same family that started the Renaissance Festivals are responsible for for this festival. Um, but then you think like, OK, well, back in Victorian times, I probably would not have been among the upper class. I probably would have experienced a lot of the crushing poverty of those times. Um, I, I don't know if there'd be much in it for me to have seen all of that. But that was a time when Christmas was really undergoing 
so many changes and so quickly at that. Yeah. There was a dramatically changing economy, a, a boom in print media, which was helping to kind of consolidate Christmas into a single image. When you have something where you can spread it far and wide and influence a lot of people very, very quickly, you start to see the media of the influence, the influence of the media shaping Christmas. Uh, and then also advances in transportation. You have to think like right now, Christmas is something that we see as a time for homecomings and family gatherings. Well, that's only possible if you can get home. Yeah. Right Before rail travel, you did not travel very far from your home at all. And you probably didn't go much of anywhere during the winter. So all of these things are only possible with modern advances, most of which were happening around the middle of the 19th century. So mm -hmm. I think it would have been an interesting time to see things changing so quickly, uh, if not to necessarily to experience them for myself. Take a look at traditions that endure you know, what What do you see is the most important that we can show our kids? I think this is probably a bit of a non-answer, but I really think it's to, you know, just welcome Christmas into your heart, celebrate it early if you can, fully as as you can, and, and for as long as you can. Um, when I was growing up, I grew up in, in two churches. My mother belonged to a Methodist church. My father was a Catholic. And so uh, we did a lot at my, my mother's Methodist church. My grandmother was very active. There was a Christmas pageant. There were, you know, these holiday bake sales and craft fairs. The, I remember that uh, about the Christmas season as much as I remember, you know, getting all of the gifts and things like that. You don't see that much anymore. And, we, you know, we have empirical data that those things are going away. The Pew Research Center did a large study, I believe oh, yeah. it was in 2013. It says, you know, we're, we're, we're phasing those things out. I mean, we're even phasing out caroling, which I think it probably isn't news to most people. But when you hear it, you have to stop and think and say, well, well, isn't that a shame? I mean, that was I have a lot of great memories in my Cub Scout troop. We would go caroling. There was even a time in my early 20s, I lived in a neighborhood of Boston called Jamaica Plain, and this was when the flash mob uh, thing was coming up. And, you know, we went caroling and we door to door and people were opening their doors and, you know, they probably never had someone come to their door and carol before. And the, some of the reactions I got are some of the most enduring Christmas memories I'll ever have. They've sure. just stuck with me forever. And those are the kinds of things like honor the traditions. Part of what I've done in middle and later adulthood is trying to like, what am I missing out on through my research? What are some traditions that have really enriched other people's Christmases that have not yet enriched mine? Because I, 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 have, I, right. I have either ignored them all my life or just never discovered them. Right. One of the interesting things, I think because the, the British influenced our Christmas so much, I always wonder, well, why aren't Christmas crackers big here? I mean, exactly. they're a heck of a lot of fun. I, I love yeah. them. Like why yeah. did they not catch on? So, yeah, yeah. So that would be the other thing. Like just, be curious about Christmas. There's yeah. a lot there for you if, you if you're willing to look for it. Well, I think there's a lot of morphing that's going on with Christmas, if only because there are more creators like you out there that are bringing Christmas to the table. I think that's what's been so great about the explosion in podcasting mm -hmm. uh, of Christmas is that we've got all of these flavors, all of these opinions, all of these mm -hmm. perspectives. And, you know, a podcaster in the U.K., can reach to us a thousand miles away and we mm -hmm. can go the other direction and that world comes together. And I think it's wonderful I, because it does introduce us to the Christmas that we don't yeah. know. But you make a really interesting point about faith in Christmas. And I was going to ask you about this because the book doesn't cover a whole lot about faith. No. Is, you know, how are you seeing uh, religion in Christmas, the spiritual Christmas 
Um, I find it fascinating that we live in a time that a popular artist can come out with an album and sing Oh Holy Night and Silent Night and all of these sacred messages of Christmas, and yet the world accepts it without batting an eye. Unless, of course, they see a Christmas tree in Costco in August. You know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's just a weird, weird kind of dynamic that's going on. And I mean, I get the whole decline of church attendance and that kind of thing, but I'm having a hard time understanding kind of this clinging to uh, the faith-based Christmas by people who don't really have that tradition themselves. And I mean, it might feel like a new thing, but of course it's not at all. I mean, even before the Victorians wielded their influence on Christmas. Multiple historians have used this exact phrase with me, that Christmas had fallen into this kind of state of disrepair where, you know, it it was a kind of like a Mardi Gras-ish celebration, kind of like a drunken street festival. Do you agree with that? Um, From some research that I've done around, like in London, uh, the behavior of of Calathumpian music, Calithumpy from the Greek meaning beautiful, but this wasn't beautiful music. This is like drunk people making a big racket was one of the things that made the Victorians want to, quote unquote, domesticate the holiday. So instead of it being kind of an outdoor festival of the common people, it's an indoor home based festival of the upper classes. And they changed Merry Christmas to Happy Christmas because Merry implied merrymaking and drunken carousing. Um, there's enough evidence for that, that there's a compelling narrative to to tell. So it's not a new thing that we've mixed together these, the secular and the the spiritual around Christmas time. I think, you know, then once you add in all of the commercialization um, and just an increasingly secular society and certain, you know, I didn't grow up with this, but now that I live in California, we have a tree lighting ceremony in uh, the first week in December in the town square, but it's not a Christmas tree. It is a winter celebration tree. So there's a kind right. of neutering of Christmas yeah. that it, in a way it makes a kind of evolutionary sense that you can have Silent Night and Rudolph at the same time. And people who've never known it any other way don't find it strange. Right. I think it's only people who sort of lived through the decline would, would feel that as strange. Where do you see Christmas going? What happens now? I, and I talk about this at the end of, of the book um, in a couple of, you know, some of them are, are kind of surface ways and some of them are a little bit deeper. I mean, because, like I said before, every Christmas we're writing the next chapter in this never ending story. And, you know, we see changes that have happened over the last 20 years, like the way that we shop has totally changed. And you might say, well, of course it has. I mean, that's changed for everything inside and outside of Christmas. But my experience of Christmas changed in because of that in a couple of important ways. Like number one, you have more time, but then number two, what are you missing out on? Like serendipity, the social aspect of going to shop with your your friends or that little thing that catches your eye that, you know, it doesn't work quite the same way that the algorithm on, on Amazon does. So that's like one less significant way. The other thing is I think as we become, uh, and by we, I mean American culture, a little bit more politically divided And I I guess every generation says we're more divided now than we've ever been. I mean, our country had a civil war, so I'm guessing we're not exactly as divided as we were quite back then. But a large study came out, I think it was last year or the year before, that says 37% of Americans subscribe to the belief that there is a war on Christmas. And without editorializing or even sharing my own opinion, I'm just an observer of that. That's something that's part of Christmas now. And on the other side of the culture divide... 
there are those who are calling out songs like Baby It's Cold Outside for saying, look, that might have been okay back in the 40s, but that's just not aligned with modern values. So there's a, a kind of, you know, that 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 classic boundary drawing from the conservative side and that kind of like, well, let's let's bring this thing up to modern times of, on the progressive side that I think we're just going to see more and more of. And I think that, you know, again, the, the media nowadays, like if you can you can find someone in the media who uh, is going to tell you something that you already agree with. Right. And I think that only perpetuates things more. Speaking of Christmas future and the history of Christmas now, have you considered maybe your part in it? You know, I did an interview yesterday where someone said, well, you're you're the guy who does Christmas past. So when you die, are you the ghost of Christmas past? So, well, <laughs> that, that makes a, a kind of sense. No, I mean, it, it was hard for me to admit this in the book that I said, you know, part of starting Christmas past was that. Again, I went looking for something that didn't exist, so I decided to create it. And my motivation for continuing to do it was that. I wanted a way to celebrate Christmas outside of the Christmas season. It was a creative project. But then once it started to take hold, I kind of got the sense, well, maybe I am contributing something in, in some yeah. very small way. I mean, it's it's not a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's not a best-selling book. It, it's just this little thing that I'm putting out there. But I know that it's affecting a lot of people. And I know that it's affecting the ones that I'm reaching deeply And I because they tell me. They, they reach out with stories. And I share this in the preface of this really touching story that someone sent me about her cousin and she's going on about what a wonderful person this person is very creative and giving and all these heartwarming stories about how she planned this elaborate Christmas with all of her decorating and, and musical skills. Um, and then at the end of the, the message said, and, and, I, and I lost this cousin of mine uh, to a five-year battle with brain cancer and I wasn't looking forward to Christmas this year but I've been listening to your show and it's been sort of like helping me get back into the spirit. On the one hand, of course, it's flattering to hear something like that. But on the other hand, that's when it makes me realize like, oh, this this is real. This yeah. isn't just me and this little hobby that I have. Like this is this is touching people and I feel right. kind of responsible. It, it's not just like this cute little thing I'm doing anymore. This actually seems to mean something to a lot of people. Yeah, um, and so totally agree. I don't know what that means to me. It means like, I'm going to keep doing this for as long as I can. And I'm going to keep finding ways to grow it. That was the whole idea behind the book is that I, the audience had grown to a certain point where I said, well, whatever's, whatever the next level is, I think I'm ready for it. And the book just seemed like a natural thing. His name is Brian Earl. His podcast is the Christmas past podcast. The book is called Christmas past, and we highly recommend it to you as a fun exploration. Of some of the best of Christmas memories, traditions, and history. Please see the show notes for this episode for links to the Christmas Past podcast and where you can find this new book from Brian Earle. And please join us at the Merry Forums of MyMerryChristmas.com, where we discuss the things we share of Christmas past and present. And for all of us at the Merry Forums, this is Jeff Westover wishing you and yours a very Merry Christmas. 